Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where we aim to demystify the commercial property market and to make it more accessible for private investors. And I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We've actually been investing in commercial property for over 15 years now, and I've gained a bit of knowledge over that period of time. It is actually a pretty large marketplace, as I'm sure you've guessed, with loads of different sectors, loads of different layers and niches. I hope by sharing some of our experiences from over the years, you too will make commercial property part of your investment strategy. For almost all of that time, we've actually had storage containers on our sites as part of a bigger offering. I've learned to love this particular niche and have really enjoyed creating this mini-series on the subject. And during that time, when I've been recording these container-related podcasts, I've been asked quite a number of questions through social media and all the other types of channels, and it's been great to see the interest and response. And I hope I'll be able to answer some of the remaining questions I've been asked that haven't already been covered in the last episode of this series, where I hope to interview an industry expert for the inside scoop. In the previous episodes, we have talked about a few things, haven't we, and how the storage industry works. Then we focused in on actual container self-storage, which is really the nub of this subject. And in episode two, we looked at finding sites, funding your storage business and cash flow. And in the last episode... We discussed day-to-day operations, hidden costs, and the application of tech. And in this penultimate episode, we're going to get stuck into marketing and finding actual customers. Now, during the second Storage Container podcast, we chatted about analysing sites, and a big part of that is actually working out if there's a market. A lot of it comes down to learning about the product offer itself, the actual containers, the storage, the type of site, and studying what the competition do. Let's remind ourselves, the competition is not necessarily another storage container part, by the way. It could be a lockup garage or a series of lockup garages. It could be removal companies with warehouse space, or it could be a purpose-built storage centre with internal stores, lockups and lots more. The market's quite diverse. Even this niche is quite diverse. And by studying the competition, you'll be able to identify what is currently available for customers. And as you get a better understanding of that diversity of the market, you'll be able to work out where the gaps are. So, for instance, location, geography, i.e. where it is in the country, site access, particularly for larger vehicles, 24-hour access, electrics, lighting in individual containers, pricing, container size, contract length, level of security. They're all differences that you can offer on your site or differences competitors will offer. Your job is to identify which ones of those are the gaps where you could mould your offering around that particular opportunity. So, for instance, if you find that the competition is offering at a high price point and there are lots of facilities on site, 
perhaps you could offer something that is more functional and economic. That's not to say that if the competition is making that high quality offer and is full, that there's not an opportunity or capacity for you to do something similar. But from a marketing point of view, you do want to be able to differentiate your offering. So let's go a bit deeper into that. Let's talk about some of the important factors on marketing and I guess ultimately advertising if you're going to do some. So the first thing is location, location, location. It can be so important for marketing. I did mention before, signage can be your number one advertising investment. It can be the best ROI you'll put into advertising. Having a prominent location to be able to place signage is really important. This can be your number one way of finding new customers. And I appreciate sometimes if you don't have the ability to do that, we have to look at other things. But as a way to reinforce the point, some of our sites are not as prominent. So the inquiries are not really through signage. But by acquiring a container storage site earlier this year, which does have good roadside visibility, we've been able to cross-sell our other, they're close by, but our other locations, which has led to a situation where we now have a small waiting list for empty containers across the whole portfolio. So we're 100% full. A lot of that is down to what's happening in the market right now, but also this acquisition really gave us the ability to promote ourselves to that market and cross-sell other sites. So signage is really important if you can get it. But don't worry though, if you're not able to capitalize on this one, there are other ways of finding customers for your container storage. And as I've mentioned before, container storage is only part of what we offer on our sites. So one of the things we've really benefited from is cross-selling to existing customers, which is one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of adding container stores to a multi-let site, if you can. It gives you I guess another product to offer to your customers who are already on site, which in turn creates another income stream for you. But it also means that you might be able to differentiate yourself from your workspace competition by combining the offer of workspace, whether it's an office or industrial or some kind of studio, with a container storage facility, which is much more cost efficient because container storage is going to be much cheaper than taking on additional workspace or industrial unit, for instance. So there's another opportunity there if you can mix on-site with different offerings and container storage because a lot of other sites don't have that combination. They have to go to different, two different locations or they have to get an industrial unit, which means they've got office and storage. Whereas you might be able to do that through container storage. So the second thing I want to talk about is what are the barriers to entry into this market? So they're not actually that big, are they, really? Investors can buy or even lease containers, they can buy or lease ground, and it can be set up quite quickly. If they can get a piece of land that is in the right place and planning permission. You can try to affect this though by being a first mover and differentiating your offer. If you just go on the basis that there will be competition over time, then anticipating that can lead you to build in some contingency. So demand is increasing, the size of the pie is getting bigger, but there are more competitors coming into the market. That's what we're discussing right here. Yeah, it's for you maybe to go into the market. So for example, if you define your offer really well, understand how all the different layers in the market work, then you can make your offer more unique, whilst at the same time responding to a gap in the market and trying to differentiate yourself for later, for when more competition appears. So let's just talk about those market layers. And what I'm talking about here is a way of defining how the market fits together. It's like a jigsaw. How is the offer going to vary? 
on different sites. It's not just the container. Some sites might offer service levels. So for instance, do they have staff on site? Do they even sell cardboard packing boxes as some do? Do they provide toilets and welfare facilities? Or is the offer much simpler? So it's not just about the 20 foot container, there's other things to consider. What about the product quality? Despite what people say, not everything has to be five star. There are people who don't need or want five star. There are people that want two star or three star. And there is a place in the market for these different offer levels. And if you don't get hung up on the quality of what you're offering too much, then you need to focus in more on what that actually means for the customer. What's that satisfying for the customer? Maybe they need something more economical or more viable for their particular need. So the next one is price. So these are all quite similar, yeah? I mean, price, product quality, product off, they're all quite similar to commercial property investments. And, you know, price is, is going to give you a differentiator, but down on container storage, it is slightly more commodity-driven, but you can differentiate a bit with the product quality, the product offer, the location, and the site layout. And these are two layers that I'd maybe add in that you wouldn't necessarily always talk about in commercial property markets, which is just... The location is really important for visibility, as we said, and the site layout can be quite important in terms of vehicle access. Perhaps if you've got two stories of containers, that will preclude certain types of clients being able to get up onto that first floor, as it were, of containers. So these little things will all add up to defining your product offer as slightly different than the competitors. Now, what's this all got to do with finding customers? Well. Once you understand what your competition does and what you do, then you can really start to communicate that to your potential customers. Let me introduce you to a key partner for our storage container business. Wheelbox has over 20 locations throughout the UK and their own transport, which is just one of the reasons we choose to use Wheelbox for our container requirements. All of their products are available for hire, lease purchase or outright purchase, so you can create a balance between capital expenditure up front and cash flow over the longer term. They also have their own in-house fabrication and conversion facilities which allows them to create bespoke container or modular designs just for you and as part of the service the team provide a fully comprehensive self-storage consultancy package to anyone looking to expand their current sites or breaking into this fast-growing industry. Now I'm really excited to tell you Wheelbox are currently offering a free aerial site survey for you, our listeners. Just quote CPI Network when you get in touch and they'll create a site drawing showing your optimal container layout. Now that's really useful. Perfect for you to maximise your drive up storage ideas. So check out the show notes or simply type Wheelbox into your browser and reach out to their amazing team to discuss how Wheelbox can be a key partner to you unlocking your self-storage goals. We talked about signage of course, but what else is going to help? Well, the next one, the obvious one, the internet. Yeah, it's a big place. So Website. Yep, you're going to need a website. Pick a sensible URL and a sensible name for your business. Don't make it about you, but about the offer. I often see adverts or listings for storage and they put their own company logo front and centre. And often it's not a storage related logo. It's just a logo related to their bigger business. So let's say it's a logo that says something like CRJ Group which means a lot to the owner. It's probably the initials of their kids, you know, CRJ, or something like that. But I'm really sorry to say that the customer doesn't really give a shit. They just don't. 
advertising it on a website called CRJ Group tells the customer a lot and probably not what you really want them to be thinking. It's much better to call it something to do with what it is. <laughs> Container self-storage. My point here is don't hamstring yourself before you even get out of the blocks. Being overt is really rewarded well in the storage business. Really putting it out there about what it is. Simple, clarity, clear. At the end of the day, a storage container is a storage container. There's not too much to get confused about. And as long as you make it on your website easy for the customer to understand, easy to understand what they're going to get, what it's going to cost, you might want to put your pricing on there. It depends how your competition are doing it. But making it simple and easy for the customer, removing those friction points. So apologies for that little rant. <laughs> Back to the website. Make it simple, clear and concise. Don't really come on a commercial property podcast, of course, for guidance on marketing. But suffice to say, a good website is going to make a much better impression and improve your chance of viewings, which is what this is all about. So there is another aspect on the internet, though, other than just your website, which is online brokers. And I have spoken about that before for the office market or the workspace market. These are companies that have no physical shop front anywhere, like a surveyor might do in your local city or town. These guys actually sell your space alongside many other offerings across your region, even the country and the world, on their website, on their platform. They make a commission, generally around 10% on each sale, this is on the um, office side, which is charged to the property owner, not the customer. So it comes across as a free service for the client who's searching for the space. But there are now similar platforms in the storage industry. And one such website, if you want to go and have a look at it, I'll pop this in the notes, is all the W's, comparethestorage.com. It's a great place to research what's going on in your area, and you could potentially list your own site on there too. I do have to say, though, it's not in any way a full listing of everything that's available, certainly in my area and probably in your area. Lots of smaller operators don't even know it exists, and there's still not a critical mass on there. There will be other platforms that will come out too, but remember, storage is a low-ticket item, so the service level from the host platform is going to be far less than listing on the workspace or office broker platforms. But nevertheless, there's information there you can go and have a look at. It's a growing side of the industry, and it's something to be aware of. The third one here is paid-for ads. At the end of the day, you can go to the usual suspects, Google, Facebook, whoever it is, and start paying them money to put your product in front of the right people in the right geography. And the ability to really narrow down the demographics on that is fantastic. But it does cost money. And we have found some success in the past through the likes of Gumtree. Just saying. There are other platforms out there will give you a listing potentially for free. So the next thing is once you're up and running, you've actually got a site. We're still talking about marketing here. A really good and often overlooked source of sales leads is actually referrals from existing customers. Now, if you haven't got a site, that's not going to happen right now, is it? But you need to think up some ways of encouraging customers when you get them to refer your business to their connections. And over the years, we've struggled to put together a killer referral reward scheme. But it seems the best way to get referrals is to do a good job in the first instance and then target certain customers who you can identify as well-connected or movers and shakers. Then nurture that relationship with them to see if you can incentivize some referrals. A blanket approach has not really worked for us. I know that some, it will have worked for them. 
But I'm just telling you from my experience that sometimes you just need to focus in on certain individuals that you know are dealing with the types of customers that you want to deal with. They're in that network, in that swim, and incentivizing them might be the right thing to do to be more focused. The next thing is when you have that established customer base, the more you learn about those customers and that customer type, the more you can target that customer avatar with your marketing. You can really focus in on that specific audience. But again, this is going to happen once you've got some containers and you've started getting some customers. An alternative to all of this, though, and not one to dismiss, is do what we did earlier on this year and buy a competitor. Now, I appreciate initially that might not necessarily seem like the most sensible thing, but there can be some really good advantages. There might be opportunity there. They might not be maxing out the offer. They might be underpricing. You can work this out by mystery shopping all of the target market. Go and find out what the price point is in your location. I appreciate you're going to have to look at the layers of the offer. Are they offering more on the lower end and the low star quality or on the high end? Is there more facilities on site or less facilities on site? Is it 24-hour access? Is there electric? All these different things you can look at and try and map out all those different price points. Then, if you have identified a target for potentially purchase or buying a competitor or an existing established business, then you'll probably find it's going to be somebody who maybe only has one, maybe two sites. It probably is somebody who has CRJ Group as the name of the business or whatever. It's something they've taken on on the site because they thought it looked like a good idea. But it might be that they've not really understood entirely the pricing of the market and therefore there's opportunity for you there to do the purchase and then increase pricing. Simple as that. They might not have established their marketing advantage. So, you know, that might be location. That might be... Um, because of a website they have or a URL or a name or a brand they've developed. So rather than fighting it, buy it. The other one is, as I say, they might be full at that location they're at, which actually means one of two things. Well, it means both things, really. One, the price could move up. And two, the capacity needs to be increased. So if you have a site or you're looking at a site that's maybe just a wee bit off the main drag, not as easy to get signage, not as easy to spot, then by buying potentially maybe even a smaller competitor who's full and has, I guess, some good signage and the ability to cross-sell to other sites, then this could be an alternative site which is more visual for you and getting passing trade which will allow you to develop your other site. So these are just things to think about when you're looking at competitors. It's not always a straightforward case of, well, there's the income. I'll put in a multiple. Boom, that's what it's going to cost. Because actually there might be additional benefits you're going to get from that site that you haven't factored in. So a few things there to think about on marketing and finding customers. At the end of the day, the size of the sector is growing. And there are new entrants or providers coming into this market too. So there will be more competition. Not least because, as I mentioned before, the barriers to entry are relatively low. So you need to factor that in when you start out. So make sure you buy right. That's the first thing. Make sure it's not too expensive when you get started. Analyse the gaps in the market. Look at where the competitors are and where, what their offer is, what the level of the offer is, what the quality of the offer is, and see where there's some gaps. And even if, at the end of the day... You're not necessarily spotting gaps, but you're seeing competitors who are doing it really well work out what they're doing because it may be 
there's more capacity in the market to put in the same kind of offer, differentiate, of course, to be your own, but there might be more customers out there looking for that type of offer. But you need to make sure your numbers stack up, even if a new competitor opened up next door. So marketing and finding customers is as much about distinguishing your offer for the here and now as it is for potential future-proofing your business. Really important that. Think about medium to long term on this one because things will change in this marketplace. So thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a shout out. Share the episode on your Instagram or Facebook posts. We really appreciate that. And make sure you take action on at least one of these points we've discussed today. Now, I've actually saved the very best bit for last. I'm going to let you into a big commercial property market secret. The future success, your future success in this great investment class is almost entirely up to the person currently sitting in your seat or driving your car or walking in your shoes. That's right, it's up to you. And more importantly, what you actually put into action. So go out there and do something to push you forward in your commercial property journey. Go and do something now. Speak to you soon. 